Hello, welcome, welcome to episode number eight of the Joe DeVoe Show. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, but you can call me Joe, and I am here to uplift and support my fellow creatives, lovable weirdos, and makers of magic. And today I have a little bit of help in doing that, a lot of help actually, from the one, the only, Nadine Artemis of Living Libations. I feel like I should say Living Libations of Nadine Artemis because Living Libations is her creation. If you don't know what Living Libations is, you are in for a treat today, my friends. You are in for a treat. I have been a fan of Living Libations, which is Gosh, I don't want to tell you what it is. I want her to tell you in her words. To me, it is the pinnacle, the height of all natural, hippie, happy, healthy beauty and self-care. That's how I would put it. And if you are here because you are a fan of the Hippie Witch podcast, you're in the right place. I have simply just changed the name of the podcast. You're on the same channel. This is the same feed. It's the same host. I just wanted to change the name of the podcast to hopefully broaden my horizons and get to interview a wider variety of guests. But Nadine is someone that absolutely fits into the hippie witch, the hippie witch vibe. So I think you're really gonna love this. Before I got involved in the witchy community online, I was not a prominent voice in this world, but I was very much engaged with the super hippie, all natural, everything, raw foodist community back in the day. And once I did get into the witchy community, I was surprised to find that there is not as much crossover between those two communities as I thought there would be, at least not in my experience. And while I have left a lot of that behind, particularly the raw foodism, all isms, I'm not an ism kind of person, there are quite a few people who I learned from and continue to follow to this day. And I don't know that Nadine was ever a raw foodist, but when I was into that, it was just all natural, everything. I was a full-blown, stinky, dirty hippie. <laughs> And now I'm something of a more hybrid animal. I've got one foot in the modern world and one foot in the natural life. And that's just kind of how I roll. I have to say, I'm such a fan of her work that I'm a little bit bummed that a couple of moments during this interview are a little cringy, not because of her, but because of me. And as a people-pleasing Libra... I always try not to be insulting, and I feel like maybe I was being insulting to her and you in saying that I don't think that this is her audience. And I said that meaning I want us to be her audience, but I don't hear people in my crowd talking a lot about the things that she talks about, but I feel like it's something you all would be really interested in. That is all I was trying to say, but I don't think I said it very eloquently. And then another moment that kind of was like, oh, that's interesting and odd, actually, is she mentioned that at the age of 22, she opened North America's first full concept aromatherapy store. 
And my mind immediately went back to when I interviewed Whitney Eckes earlier this year. Do you guys remember Get Super, the hemp coffee that I was all jazzed about? I think that was the first episode or the first interview for the Joe DeVoe show. Whitney started her marketing company at 22, and I was kind of like gawking over that and amazed by that. Like, wow, how did you do that at 22? That is just mind-blowing. And shortly after I had said all of that, I saw someone on Twitter complaining about how older people are condescending about younger people, like acting so amazed when they do anything, like having a lot of success at 22, you know, in the way that I had just done publicly on my podcast. (laughs) So I wanted to take this opportunity to say, I don't think 22-year-olds are incapable fools, but when someone achieves something at that level, at that age, I personally am in awe because I absolutely was not capable of that at that age. I know because I tried, but I was still very much in self-sabotage mode and low self-worth, and those were things that took me decades to work through, which is why I often call my 20s my hot mess years, and gosh, I was so hot. I was hot and I didn't know it, but I was also so messy. (laughs) So I mean no disrespect at all. None. It's quite the opposite. My hat goes off to anyone at any age who can make something big happen in the world that way. And bringing it back around to Nadine, she certainly has. And then just one more note before we roll into this, because I'm eager for you to hear this interview. I don't want to ramble too much at the beginning here, but just to cover my ass, I want to say this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and I am not making any health recommendations here that you should use in place of whatever care you receive from a trusted health professional. If you enjoy this entertainment, by all means, go pick up a copy of one of Nadine's books. I will link to both of her books in the show notes and I personally have and enjoy them both. So that's what I can offer you. I love her work. I'm happy to share it with you, and hopefully you'll find this valuable. So without any further song and dance, here she is, the amazing, the gorgeous, the fabulous Nadine Artemis. Welcome to the podcast, Nadine. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we don't know each other, but I know you. I've known your work for a very long time. I've been shopping at Living Libations for at least a decade. Wow, that's awesome. I want to say before we get started, I don't think this is your audience, which is exciting to me because I want them to be. So (laughs) I'm just saying that so we can keep the language open for people that might not understand because you're a little bit of a brainiac about your subject. And so I want to make sure we don't leave anybody behind. Oh, I I feel like I always make it as simple. I mean, I, I'm, I talk to all kinds of people and I feel like I can, I can deliver. <laughs> oh, I, I have complete faith that you can. I just wanted you to know who you're talking to. So we For can, sure. we can, we can do the beginner version <laughs> of Nadine Artemis. So you want to tell them what your work is in your own words? 
Sure. I am Nadine and I, my company's Living Libations, which, I mean, I've been a botanical formulator for almost 30 years. And uh, when I was 22, I opened up North America's first full concept aromatherapy store, had all my formulas in there. I've been formulating ever since. Amazing. And uh, well, I started formulating actually when I was nine, 18. Right. Yes. That's when I first started concocting and I had my own line called Artemis Essentials that I sold to like friends and family. And that's what then led to me opening that store. While I was in university, I started importing and finding and sourcing and scouring the earth for all the beautiful raw materials that would become my palette to create things from. And then, yeah, about 20, well, 20 years ago, I met Ron, my husband and partner. And then that's when we formed Living Libations. So it's actually like 20, 20 years this year. And that was, that's sort of like the, the current evolution. Mm-hmm. And in that time too, I've written a couple of books. Uh, one is Holistic Dentistry and the other is Renegade Beauty. Yes. And they're both amazing. So is Living Libations. I'm wondering about you personally on this very consistent journey that started I think it really took hold when you were a teenager but started even further back if I understand correctly have you always known this was your path or did you just kind of wake up one day 20 years later and go wow I guess I've been on the same (laughs) path for a very long time it must be my thing yeah, I think like as a kid, you I mean, what what I do, I mean, wasn't a thing that you could like go, oh, I'm going to be a doctor or whatever. Like it was not like a, you know, wasn't in the career options mm-hmm. uh, only because those options are really so unimaginative. But I feel like okay. really, yeah, at 18, it, it kind of came together for me in a new way that made purpose. And then I could kind of look back on that little short life and go, oh yeah, like this, you know, it all just makes perfect sense, but it's a real, you know, weaving of things and a real, I just really feel like it all makes sense. Like I, I feel I can look back on like everything before 20 and I can see exactly why I do that today or how that was inspiring. You know, you really go through life and I'm, I'm good at, I feel, I think partly because I'm like a, I'm super sensitive in a way, like my body, my being. And I think I knew that as a kid. And I think I also knew that like, nobody's coming to create that world for you. Mm. You know, what I felt like I needed sort of for the filaments of my being. And so I think I was able to focus, like I knew to focus on my strengths, even though I didn't have that language, I knew to focus on what I liked and to keep focusing on what I liked. And I think when you chisel that away, I think at 18, then was the sort of sculpture of like botanical formulating and making perfumes and, and all that stuff I was trying to do as a kid, but without much direction or the right ingredients. (laughs) So this sensitivity, do you think that that has to do with this affinity you have for flowers. When I think Nadine, I think flowers. When I first got, I think the first two products I got from you were just essential oils. I got lavender and I got frankincense. And those were not my first essential oil purchases, but they were the first to blow my hair back. I was like, yeah, 
this is really different. This is very, the scent, it's so hard to put into words because scent is hard to put into words, but. Exactly. We actually was, don't even have a vocabulary for smell. We borrow yes. from every other sense. It, it felt to me like a real flower. It felt multi-dimensional. Somehow there were different layers to it that I was not getting at the essential oils I bought at the grocery store or even the farmer's market. I was like, what is happening? So totally. for you are the flower lady in my brain. Thank you. Well, and that's what I was understanding at like, you know, 18, 19, 20, as I'm researching and, you know, finding more oils because it started like, obviously I was just getting the one from the health food store. But then I was just doing a deep dive and reading every book I could find. And I just had to catch a whiff of like, why was that used or combined in ancient Egypt? And oh my God, like I need to smell like immortal or angelica root, like things that weren't at your common health food store. And so I had to find them. And then when I did, of course, I'm getting also samples from different distillers that are just doing classic oils like your frankincense or lavender or just a common tea tree. But when I started getting from direct and finding my own distillers, it really was like a whole new level. And I was like, this is just beautiful. So I was just finding that there's such a quality out there and really that difference. And I remember even having my store and I had this, you know, scent bar, we had over a hundred single oils and I could, you know, make custom blends for people or you could come in with a recipe, you know, you could buy oils by the drop and, you know, people be like, well, what about blah, blah, blah brand or blah, blah, blah brand or, and I was just like, here, smell. And I even had a couple of common brands, like, like kind of like the Coke Pepsi challenge, mm. you know, I'd wrap up the labels and people were blown away. The nose knows. Quality. The nose knows. <laughs> nose. And it's sitting right below your pineal gland. Oh, that's so brilliant. Yeah. So actually that's how I really knew, like for me and my sense of smell, it would be like, if I got in a sample and it wasn't pure, like I would get this tension, like right above my nose, like in that pineal gland spot, you know, and then I'd send it to the lab and it would have something in it. That is fascinating. Are you saying the distillation process is the key or a key to why these oils it would be a uh, key. So you've got like, you know, from growth to harvesting to like, if you're talking about a real oil, mm -hmm. like, so there's going to be, you know, where it's growing, the growth, the soil, the distillers, how it's picked. And then like the type of distilling, cause that's an artist art in itself. And you're going to get obviously, well, it seems obvious to me, like a better quality oil with a low, slow, you know, low temp, slow distillation which scientifically, if you test that in a lab, you're gonna find that you've captured more of those botanical components, you know? So one drop of rose oil, it might have those notes that we know and love, or like, let's say peppermint. Menthol would be one of the natural botanical components to that oil. And if you sent it to a lab and got a gas chromatography reading, you know, it would show in a spike, but then you'd see, oh, there's like, you know, 300 other notes in this one drop. And a low, slow, pure, like real distillation might even get like 400 or something. So you're getting more of a whole multi-dimensional thing. Then mm. what can happen to that pure oil is it can be, you know, other oils could be added, synthetics could be added, adulterants could be added. And that's a very crafty and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of just like adding one thing to another, but then in, 
in a lab or whatever, you can do a lot to adulterate an oil. Yeah. And of course, we're not interested in that. But that's also where you can get, I mean, a lot of popular essential oils, they're just not real once they get to the lab. Didn't you start out with commercial mixing perfumes and things like that when you were a kid? Is that Correct. Yeah. You know, I was the youngest, like I have my mother and my sister. So I would also get their kind of bottle hand-me-downs as well. Mm. And I had like crazy bathroom full of all kinds of, I mean, like my whole life's really been, I've been surrounded by a lot of bottles, but I, you know, I had this urge to mix things, but like no raw material. So I would just kind of mix the, you know, perfumes like the Lancome with the Dior or whatever. Yeah. I would melt down my Crabtree and Evelyn lip balm and add in like white Dior eyeshadow. Ooh, that must have been strong. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted to make like a 1960s sort of color, like a Valley of the Dolls kind of lip gloss Ooh. color. So, I mean, that's what I was doing in my teens, like sort of 13 to 16. Wow, this is such a calling. I'm so fascinated by that. And I think I'm wrong to say this isn't your audience. I just feel like they don't know they're your audience yet. <laughs> it's a very witchy audience. There's a lot of hippie-ish folks, but some of the things that you talk about when you start getting into dental health, for example, which is really interesting to me because I have some really screwed up teeth. Uh, <laughs> It, it, the technicality of it, I feel like I don't, I don't know I hear, how yeah. deep into all of that they get, but, but witches journey. and hippies love, you know, good skin and good teeth too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we can address that because I feel like a bit of a hybrid animal. I'm a, I'm a city witch. I live in the city, <laughs> and I love nature. And the older I get, the more drawn to nature I am. I've had huge hippie phases in my life where everything had to be super hippie. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> but the way I grew up was with a gardener dad who was obsessed with Roundup and sprayed it on everything. Mm. We had a swimming pool that my parents called the babysitter that was <laughs> so heavy with chlorine. Our hair would be green every summer. Oh, and wow. And then when I was in third grade, I had 13 mercury fillings put in my mouth. Wow. And right after I had swollen lymph nodes in my oh. jaw and my neck and wild acne, acne. What a time for that. Like I know 13 we is such a crazy year. I feel I, usually for most. Well, I was eight. I year. was eight when they put those in. Oh, so they put yeah. 13 fillings in when I was eight. Oh, I get it. Yeah, you were 13. Yeah. And then for years, I was on every combination of topical and antibiotic. Right. Uh, I don't know what to call it. Acne yeah. medications until finally at 16, they put me on Accutane. And it just destroyed my gut health, all of this. And mm. I've been dealing with dental issues ever since. And so I'm wondering so much of what you say, I always feel like this isn't for me. I love it. <laughs> and I'm so excited, but also I don't know what to do as a middle-aged woman with all of these dental issues when we're talking about dental health and the way that you're talking about it. Am I a lost cause? No, no mouth is a lost cause. And I get it. And your situation is like common. Yes. You know I, yeah. That's why I share because this is how we grew up in America, especially in the 80s. I mean, yeah. late 70s, early 80s, it was like chemical everything. Everything. I mean, that's where, like, I think in the 50s, we got sort of better living through chemistry. 
Yeah. And then we've been peaking ever since and finding new chemicals and new ways, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to care for the body. Well, I think, I mean, one thing I feel is a bit of my mission, not that I like to have a mission per se, but I do hope that I can share information that actually puts people at ease in their body. Mm -hmm you know, helps the relationship with the body, makes us more comfortable in our own skin. I mean, I think that's the ultimate thing. And I feel like our bodies are so brilliantly designed, just like the whole cosmos that we're in is just so brilliant and a mystery that we're never going to figure out per se, and we don't need to figure it out. But really understanding, like, allowing the brilliance of our bodies to like allowing those systems to work for us and I'm always like when I'm going into an area I'm trying to figure out like how can I stand back and allow the body to do its thing mm -hmm. and not complicate things and kind of take things down to its simplest level you have a book called holistic dental care that I definitely would recommend anybody read who's interested in what I was talking about, because it is a lot of information. Is there like a podcast ready tip you have <laughs> for people who are like identifying with what I'm saying? Like, hello, I'm so far down on the wheel of, you know, dentistry. I don't know how to get off kind of thing. Well, know that the teeth are alive. And that's great because they are connected to your body. And because they're connected to your body and your blood systems and your lymph systems, healing can occur. Mm -hmm. And I think the best place to start is with our eight steps, which are, you know, in the books, but also I have articles on the website and stuff. So you can, you can get a lot from that before you even have to think about a book yeah. and to really go through those eight steps. And of course, we at Living Libations, we, I have all kinds of dental creations that I've made over the past 15 years, 15, mm. 20 years that are great. But the eight steps totally work with the simplest thing like baking soda. I also have recipes in my books to make your own toothpaste. So just know that too. You don't have to get libations at all because I like to really empower people and with the simplest ingredients. And if anybody's on it, like anybody pretty much can get baking soda mm -hmm. get a bag of that and last you for years and years so if you just switched to baking soda to care for your teeth you know you could add in some sea salt maybe some diluted hydrogen peroxide and that could literally be all you use for the rest of your life and you will be a million times better off than getting anything from the drugstore sort of like all the stuff we're used to because the ingredients in there mess with the microbiome of our mouths and so then every day, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. It's a bit of an uphill battle as you brush your gums, yet the ingredients are causing bleeding and receding gums, yeah. for example, or you're working with a dental paste with triclosan, which is a danger to aquatic ecosystems and has been removed from hand sanitizing soaps, but not from toothpaste because it showed that it actually as we all knew, um, actually makes superbugs mutate and grow because it's killing the microbiome on your hands. I would say that's the second word that I think of yeah. when I think of Nadine Artemis. I think <laughs> microbiome and which, it applies to everything that you talk about, which is interesting to me. It's well, yeah, I feel like yeah. throughout your work. And it really helped. It's really neat now uh, too, to see how much 
the micro, like I'll get industry newsletters from, you know, whatever, like the L'Oreal execs read, like that kind of newsletter. And it's so funny how much they're going into the microbiome now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. yeah. It's fun watching your company grow. You've added so many products over the years. I can't wait to try the chocolate. I've never ordered chocolate from you, but I for sure will. And you have cosmetics now, but also it's interesting to watch the industry start, the industry start to pick <laughs> up on language you've been using for a very long time. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I can't help keep creating things because it's it's fun. And there's, you know, just things that want to be made. But really, if you start with those eight steps, it really will help with a lot of things in the mouth and then kind of eliminate things. So it will, you know, it will revive the gums, help balance plaque and just get the mouth alkalizing again. In the Renegade Beauty book, there's a really good dental chapter in there too. It's different from the book, but if you don't have the dental book, it gives you like a great overview. When did I write that book? I think 2018. So dental one was 2012. So there's some new information as well, but you'll really find like that really helps sort of like pull up your socks with your oral care. And if you ha <laughs> haven't been to the dentist in a while, which a lot of us haven't because of the current, hopefully now perhaps in an endemic stage, but it will really help because really a lot of the issues, like even if you've got like a tooth, that's kind of loose. I mean, that's, or sensitive, a sensitive tooth. I don't mean like loose, like a kid, but you know what I mean? It's just sort of like hmm, shifting yeah. a bit. I mean, that's really going back to the health of your gums. The gums hold the teeth in place. And a lot of our dental practices are really just wearing out the gums and causing, causing receding gum lines. And then once the gums recede, that tooth that gets exposed, that where the gum should be, has a different enamel structure. So it's very susceptible to things like gum line cavities, for example. Yeah. I love the illustrations of a turtleneck. You have like yes. different sweaters and turtlenecks on these teeth and it's, it's useful. It's a, it's a useful image. And I love too, what you talk about with dentine being responsible for the whiteness of teeth and how enamel is actually clear. This again, this is stuff that I'm not trying to lose people, but I find extremely fascinating. Yeah, to, well, to explain the turtlenecks for a second, I use those because we want our gums to be like a turtleneck sweater around our teeth. We don't want to get into the cowl and v-neck situation. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so whiteness, tooth whiteness really comes from within. Enamel is actually like transparent, kind of like glass. And it's the health of the internal structure of the tooth, the pulp chamber, hopefully fed with a lot of like, you want those fat soluble vitamins like vitamin D3 and K2 mm -hmm. coming from the sun and like grass fed, you know, if you eat eggs or anything, you want them to be from pastured chickens that roamed outside because anything grown in the shadows of factory farming isn't getting, have any K2 because that has to come from animals eating grass and then converting it into K2. And so really that health and that whiteness of the tooth is really coming from within and hopefully the nutrients that you have. Now, of course, plaque can get discolored. And if you eat rich pigment foods or drink wine or have blueberry smoothies, that plaque can get discolored. I mean, the tooth can get discolored as well, but sometimes what we're concerned about is actually just sort of some plaque that needs to be removed. Mm -hmm. 
which the eight steps will also help to whiten teeth and stuff. Oh, and we I made a new toothpaste this year, which I was so excited about because it has a mineral in it, nanohydroxyapatite, which has only been in a handful of toothpaste in the world. I feel like there's only four or five that are available. Is um, this in a paste? Yeah, in a paste form. It's mm -hmm. our a triple, it's called triple mint in our toothpaste. But of course, in the other toothpaste in the world, it's not with other ingredients that I would want to use. Mm -hmm. And this, this mineral has been approved, I believe for four, it's 40 years, it could be 30, but I think it's 40 years anyway, for a few decades, approved by NASA for astronauts, because it does actually help to rebuild bone enamel. It's what the teeth are made out of. So it really helps to you know, smooth out the surface of the teeth. It helps to whiten and brighten as well. So this is a remineralizing process? Yeah, just by using that toothpaste. And we also have these little mouth silicone mouth things that you can pop in, kind of like a retainer, but soft. Mm -hmm. And you can put the paste in there and then just allow it to like sit, kind of like a tooth spa, tooth mask, and allow it to <laughs> you know, sit and absorb in your take, teeth. Take your cow neck sweater yes. tooth <laughs> and put it in a, <laughs> in a remineralizing spa. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you consider yourself a hippie? Oh, well, yeah. If you ask my son, he's like, okay, so we're hippies. You're a bit of a hippie dream girl to me. The reason I mentioned being a city witch is because mm -hmm. I know you picked up and moved out to the yes country. you are looking for fresh air or the wild sure. even I don't know how you describe it fresh air good soil all of that and I feel I'm not ready to do that I feel <laughs> bound to the city for different reasons for some programs mm -hmm. my son is in and also because I love the entertainment industry and I feel torn about that is there maybe you need two homes <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Well, well you know, what, what do we do? Those of us that live in suburban or city environments, are we just screwed? I live in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Have you, uh, have you ever visited our store in Venice? I did not know you had a store in Venice. We have a store in Venice oh. and soon it's like, we'll be ready for public soon. Um, we have a new thing there and we have a really beautiful red light bed. Wow. Um, so we will have red light therapy available. So that's for, that's for us city witches to detox. Yes. You know, well, you get the red, you know, hopefully you can get some sunshine in and that's the red light, the near infrared, that first part of the spectrum of sunbeams, which is the red light as in, you know, Roy G. Biv, the rainbow, red, orange, green, blue, indigo, violet. Every sun ray has, you know, the full spectrum of that, except mm -hmm. up in the North, we just got our violet rays back a few weeks ago. So mm. we are just able to get vitamin D now. The red light beds, it's not a sauna. It doesn't make you sweat. It doesn't generate vitamin D or give you a tan, but it gives you the exposure to the red light, which we totally need because normally we would be outside a lot more than we are. And our biology hasn't quite caught up to the past hundred years of totally living in houses all the time. So it's very important on a mitochondrial level to get that red light. It strengthens muscles, skin tone. It helps with a whole bunch of biological functions, mainly because the mitochondria, which are in every cell and are really 
I mean, really, those are the things we need to care for is our mitochondria. So red light really speaks to that. And when we have mitochondrial health, then we have cellular health. And when we have cellular health, we are healthy. Yes. So the mitochondria is like the little energy center of the cell. Is that right? Yes, somewhat. I mean, the ATP is a little bit more of that real powerhouse, but yeah, the mitochondria are in, well, you know, and here's something I didn't know. I mean, I've been talking about the mitochondria for a long time, kind of like mm-hmm. the mi- microbiome, Yeah. but I didn't realize you can eat a healthy, you can have up like over 2000 mitochondria in one cell. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did not. Yeah. And that, so it's like, so, I mean, I can't even, I mean, a cells hard to imagine Mm -hmm. imagining 2000 things in a cell is like crazy. So, I mean, we're talking about some really intricate stuff of the body, but that's really the health of our mitochondria is so key. And we do need sunshine for that. For example, recent studies, I mean, you know, every cancer we see as this thing where the cells, you know, they don't die and they keep multiplying, but that's really a symptom of mitochondrial dysfunction. And some studies that were just done like two years ago, and I mean, I find super exciting and to summarize very simply, cancerous cells in a Petri dish with healthy mitochondria don't grow. Mm. Cancer cells in a Petri dish with unhealthy mitochondria or dysfunctional mitochondria grow. What are some things we can do to keep our mitochondria healthy? Happy and healthy, red light. So sunlight, because obviously, you know, yes, we've got these great sort of biohacking situations. And I like, see what I like about tech, some of the technology these days is it's really being able to replicate or concentrate or enhance the elements as in earth, wind, and fire. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And water Mm -hmm. Um, and renegade beauty. I mean, my general sort of thesis there is that uh, something I called cosmoetics, where we want to engage with the cosmos, with the elements of the cosmos to be our finest bathing attendants. Because as much as I make beautiful things in bottles, you know, health and beauty doesn't just come from a bottle and restoring and reviving our beans, especially if you think of like motherhood and the restoration and revivification that that requires, we need nature with a capital N and we need the cosmos to be feeding our bodies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the red light, for example, can concentrate the sun's energy and bring it into our home. Not the whole thing, because we're not getting a tan or anything, but getting that communication going with the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. Or we can look at something like a PMF, like a pulsed electromagnetic frequency thing, which has all kinds of applications. And then that's giving us the resonant earth frequency, which literally responds to our bones and mitochondria, cleans up mitochondria like Pac-Man. And our bones are paleoelectric, which is such a fun word, meaning it responds to those frequencies. So bone health, bone density actually requires that. I love the idea that our bones are alive and our teeth are alive because that was not what I was taught growing up. And when I learned that, it actually gave me a lot of compassion for myself. I have a lot of compassion for my poor body. It's been through so much. Yes. (laughs) And it's interesting. These technologies are coming out 
it's ironic to me, I think, because we've separated ourselves from nature and now we're finding yes. all these clever ways to supplement that. And I think in an ideal world, you would say, go out and get all of these things directly from nature, but maybe that's not possible for a lot well, of us. Well, we wouldn't really fully be able to work, you know, <laughs> Right. you know, it'd be, and so, you know, like in the summer, I'll put my office down on the dock and I can integrate some things, but yeah, modern living doesn't really help with that and that's sort of what I'm saying too in my book is like okay we're not generally we're not in survival mode now we have shelter we're not surviving against the elements so we have to remember to engage with them again you know so that and that's why I felt like I needed to get my spot in the country too but also because I you know I grew up with a lot of nature we had a beautiful cottage on a lake and it was like kind of going to university and then moving away and being the city, city and opening my store, which was all great. And there's a lot to love, but I was just like, I got to get sort of back home mm-hmm. to how, you know, just sort of that childhood wonder with nature. And I just felt like that's where I, you know, I need to live so that I can function on the planet. Yeah. I keep thinking this is such a calling for you. You love all the nerd science stuff, <laughs> which I think is validating of your work for some people who would write it off as being like oh this is very woo or fluffy it's so not when you talk about it it's fascinating and you're always quoting this study that was done or this bit of research and you throw these words around that I have to go google (laughs) after I (laughs) listen to you and so it's a really fun combination I think of science meeting the natural world in a way that I feel like a lot of people need, they need that information to feel like this is a alternative path they can embrace without being worried that they're going down a slippery slope, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. And I, you know, I feel like those are our answers. And to me, it's like, if it is a slippery slope, it's a fun, slippery slope upwards, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I know if I'm going to, cause the sun is, it's a serious thing. And we, our skin was designed to be exposed to the sun and it is crucial, critical that we have sufficient amounts of vitamin D in our body to just function and to have all the right genes turned on. And so I know if I'm going to dismantle that in a way and be like, no, get in the sun, Mm. then we do need to back that up with, I feel like wisdom from a Hafiz poem, wisdom from ancient Greece or Egyptians and wisdom from a study in the Lancet journal in 1990, or like other studies that like looked at the Cochrane review that looked at 14 different studies and came up with, oh yeah, the more you use sunscreen, the more moles and freckles and other disorders you will have. Yeah, And I feel like that's important to share so that we can speak to all the parts of our brain and not just have it become something sensationalized that can be dismissed. When I think of like Gwyneth Paltrow, I don't know, applied sunscreen in some post and just was like, oh, I just do it lightly and I just do it here. I don't know, something. And just how they just come to get you. <laughs> it's just yeah. like... So silly. And then the next week, all these studies came out showing that oxybenzene is totally toxic in sunscreens. This is interesting to me. I feel like there's this huge cognitive dissonance 
this clash happens in my mind and I'm gonna guess other people's minds because we have been taught to fear the sun and For decades yeah I loved the sun growing up and then I yeah. hated it I, <laughs> I I hide from it and I don't want to go to the beach and I I started, I think when I was about 20 wearing UVA slash UVB 50 broad spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) And people kept asking me if I was sick because I was always tan. And then all of a sudden I was just sheet white. Mm. And, And then I hear you talk and it's so like, what am I doing? I don't even know. <laughs> Literally afraid of the sun. I'm pretty sure most of our religions stem from astro theology and sun worship. So I just feel yeah. like, how do we get, how did we get this way? I don't know, Nadine, can you explain it? <laughs> well, I don't know fully, but I definitely feel like as we got more savvy with chemicals, that better living through chemistry that we talked about, And then, you know, everything was made out of chemistry. So all things got synthesized and all parts of our body, you know, special things were made and look what we can do with chemicals and all that kind of stuff. So then beauty care and body care really became the real estate of our bodies and skin just became little segments that could be marketed to on very deep levels. And I can't trademark the sun. (laughs) You can't trademark the sun. I mean, they're going to find a way to do it at some point. (laughs) Exactly. And then I don't know how it all got here, but here we are. And, you know, dermatology is such an interesting profession because I think the solutions are, are so strange because they're, if you know anything about the micro, I mean, the general suggestions of like antibiotic topicals or cortisone things besides the chemicals and the toxicity that we know about, now that we know about the microbiome, any skincare solution has to be working with the microbiome. Otherwise, we're literally creating a catch-22 cycle. Yeah. And you might have results for three weeks, but then it's like a whole cluster of issues. And then, you know, with the sun and sunscreens, There's ones that can take care of both UVA and UVB, but most sunscreens just separate out the UVB rays, which are the vitamin D producing rays. And while we can, and it's good that we have vitamin D supplements, it's not the same. It's a fat soluble vitamin D. When our skin meets those sunbeams, we're creating a type of vitamin D that is water soluble. And vitamin D isn't really a vitamin, it's a hormonal precursor Mm -hmm. that creates a very healthy cholesterol sulfate, helps us create things that'll be, these are big words, but who cares, but like (laughs) antimicrobial peptides, catholicidins, which are whatever, but they're essential to our immune system and our bodies. And so the sun actually juicifies, which is not a scientific word. Oh, but I love it. (laughs) Your insides and helps our sex hormones and the juiciness of our interior, which is of course reflected on the outside. And then if we're in sunscreen all day, besides that we're cooking in those chemicals, we're not getting the UVB and we're generally, unless you've got that sunscreen that you talked about, we're just getting UVA. And UVA on its own without its ultraviolet partner 
creates moles and freckles and disharmony with the skin. It's the sun, it becomes skin damaging when it's on its own. We need that full spectrum. This goes back to what I was saying about the cognitive dissonance that I would experience when I would listen to you in the beginning talking about just being a sun worshiper and all the amazing things, you know, oh, the sun is good for wrinkles and acne and all this stuff and, and sunscreen is bad. Everything you say, I can feel as true. Like this is how it felt when I was a kid. And we all know, I think when we're out in the sun, it does kind of make you a little like randy, <laughs> you're a little more like sexual and open. And that feels true. Your body knows, but then also there's all this literature in the magazines and oh, the yeah. Yeah, about how dangerous it is. And that's the clash in my mind. It's like, but, 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 but all the experts say, and then there's this woman saying this other thing that my yeah. body knows is true, but I do experience that weird tension between the two. For sure. That makes sense. And it was actually, you know, my childhood experience with the sun where I was just like, I feel good. I love it. Like, and I loved just even falling asleep at night and you could feel, you know, your day in the sun because you can feel it in your skin and your cheeks are rosy. And I love that feeling. It was like a friend coming home. And of course, all through, you know, my mom's all was always like, you know, tanning and blah, 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 and sunscreen. Not that it often worked. And then often I'm using sunscreen, but still burning anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had a lot of not good tanning with in my teens. I mean, it was fine, but then I would also blister and stuff. So I, when my twenties and I'm formulating, I was like, well, I got to figure out the sun thing because, you know, I think it feels good. And I feel like it, you know, it's making everything grow on the planet. It's kind of why we're alive. Yeah. So at first, you know, I created things to be in the sun with, but then I just did a deep, deep dive over a decade on, um, on sun stuff. But, you know, the founding father of dermatopathology, which is sort of the umbrella, like the grandfather mm. uh, study, and it's a little bit more serious looking at serious skin diseases and stuff. And that doctor, Dr. Bernard Ackerman, was a huge component of the sun and for healing the skin. And he, he wrote a book, it's, it's hard to find now, and it's usually expensive, but I think it's worth it. And it's called Myth on Myth, Sun and Melanoma. And he does such a deep dive. I mean, there's hundreds of studies in there and there's actually a whole thing in the back where he does a deep dive between the dermatology industry and sunscreens. You have some really interesting tips. The one that freaks me out because yeah. you're the only one I've ever heard talk about this has to do with washing your skin after you've been sunbathing. And lately, this is something I noticed from time to time. I'm noticing a lot lately is my water smells like chlorine when it's mm. coming out of the faucet, which is so right. upsetting. I have a Berkey filter, I get mountain spring water delivered, and it's just so expensive to try to navigate wow. around this, but we're showering in it. I mean, even a simple $25, you know, shower filter does help. Okay. Because that's what, when I travel, I shower as little as possible and I'm hopefully by an ocean or something, mm -hmm. but like I, uh, yeah, we'll bring a little wrench and the uh, shower filter and we'll put that up in the hotel room or, or wherever we are. Oh, good to know. Can you tell people about the washing your skin after sunbathing thing? Yeah. Like you can definitely like swim in the ocean or like a lake or a river or whatever mm -hmm. but it does seem that well de you definitely don't want to use soap because again your sun and the sunbeams are making 
stuff. Like that's a whole little union. It's a catalyst. You know, science is happening in your body mm-hmm. when you join up with the sun. And so soap will disrupt that process. And it seems common municipal tap water is not so good for that process too. Just so you can make that vitamin D and get it in your body and you know, wake up in the morning and have a shower. Or if you were sunning early in the morning by nighttime, I'm sure you could shower. So you don't want to disrupt that process with yeah, chlor- you want to chlorine or detergents or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. And Is- really also with soap, as you may know, I don't, I just recommend just soaping pits and bits, you know, scrubbing your nails and hands, mm-hmm. but the skin on the body never needs soap to be clean. I'm a dirty hippie. I've been listening you to go. you for so long, for so long, like pits and bits is a thing with me. <laughs> I also have very thin light blonde hair and I wash my hair probably twice a week, but in between, like it, start, it starts to look, you know, it's like, I start doing the braids and stuff, but, right. I, but I am, I am a believer in that, that you don't want to disrupt that microbiome. And so you wash the stinky parts, you wash the dirty parts and you leave your arms and legs alone. Yeah. There's no, I mean, unless you've been, you know, knee deep in grease or something, your forearm, your thigh, it's fine. With just bathing and then it's nice too like how we oil the face and cleanse the face you can also do that with your body just by like once you get out of the bath or shower squirt some oil or best can ever on a cloth mm-hmm. with a bit like and then like a wet spot on the cloth you squirt the oil and then you can just run that cloth over your body keep adding new oil and it's just such a great light exfoliation drives the oil in it's a beautiful thing that's something I actually wanted to ask you about is exfoliation because I love dry brushing. I know you talk about dry brushing. You just mentioned exfoliation, but also there's over exfoliation and we're trying to protect the microbiome. Yes. So yes. can you share a little bit your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, dry brushing is more about like stimulating the body and the lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. You know, some dead skin cells will slough off, but that isn't like exfoliating, exfoliating. And then doing that thing with the cloth is really lovely. Or you could add a very fine clay, like the powder or a touch of baking soda to that oil and cloth to give a very easy, quick polish to the skin. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the extent of exfoliation, even for your face. Um, So that's not disrupting the micro. Should we say what the microbiome is in case someone doesn't know? Yeah, for sure. So the microbiome, most people have heard it uh, by now because the gut, the gut microbiome. So, you know, previous decades has all been like our DNA and our cells and we got billions of cells. Well, we also have billions of bacteria in our bodies. We are basically a bacterial banquet. We're just a host (laughs) to our bacteria And just like the cell, I feel like also we can tune into that because we can, you know, our cells have intelligence, the bacteria has intelligence. And on a side note, this is one reason why GMOs aren't so great. The makers of GMOs talk about, well, you know, it's only going to affect the shikimate pathways of insects and we don't have that. But guess what? All the bacteria in our body have that. So we actually have like billions of shikimate pathways in our bodies and that GMO disrupts that. So we are this bacterial banquet 
And that microbiome and those bacteria are just as key as our cells for, you know, our endocrine systems, our digestive systems, our immune systems. And so the guts have a big one, a big microbiome, obviously the mouths, which are connected to the guts. There's a whole oral microbiome. There's the ear, nose, throat microbiome, and we've got the yoni microbiome for women. And then a big microbiome is our skin. And most modern skincare is disrupting and mutating the microbiome, just like we need a, you know, diverse, happy guts, like with a diverse amount of, of species of microbes, so does our skin. And as gross as it sounds, I do say, you know, you want to let the bacteria be your beautician. And so when we're over exfoliating beyond sort of what I've spoken about with chemical peels and that whole gamut or chemical face washing products with harsh ingredients, we then over exfoliate our skin and that whole cellular process where cells come up from the basal layer, which I think of like the basement layer of, so the top layer of our, our skin, which is very thin, which is like a thin, like a credit card, like the side of a credit card, that one layer of the epidermis has five layers. Mm. And there's a cellular process there that we don't want to interfere with. And when we allow the young cells underneath to be the top cells of the stratum corneum, the top layer, then we're kind of like letting the babies run the show. It may seem like, oh, so fresh and soft, but those young cells are too vulnerable to be on top and it's leaving your skin and your immune system because your skin is a huge part of your innate immune system. It's leaving it way too vulnerable. Oh, goodness. One of the ideas that came to me when I first got interested in the microbiome is in terms of your gut health. And I understood mm -hmm. the relationship between our mental health and our gut health. That was a huge development in my, on my journey is I started thinking of us as kind of like the gods and goddesses of our own universes. And we yeah. are responsible for all of these critters that are working with us systemically and thinking about being responsible for all of them. Again, it, it created a compassion in me. I don't love bugs, <laughs> but it made me start thinking like, oh, we're all working together for the good of this little universe I'm walking around in at all times. I'm like the micro universe inside this larger macro universe. It helps me yeah. conceptualize what you're saying. We're queen, the queendoms and kingdoms of our body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, that is, it's like a whole little ecosystem. And then sometimes imagine the big gods or the goddess's hand coming in with some like Lubriderm lotion and then I'm going wiping oh, out half yeah. the population. <laughs> and then the little bacteria are like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're responsible for all those little critters that are protecting our health mm -hmm. and, and making things work so that we don't have to. So when we kind of get into that system, we're actually kind of looking at a lifetime of more maintenance in a way, which yeah. I'm not into. I'm always like, what's the least I can do? What's the least amount of effort I can put into this system, but have it like totally function? Right. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I'm experiencing with dental. Like, how do you get off the treadmill? Because this thing is broken and then you have to fix that. And there's this domino effect and you want to get off 
off this weird treadmill that you're on, but you've been on it so long and it totally, what are some simple, easy little things that somebody who is new to all of this can start to employ and actually feel a difference in their life? Yeah. I think one simple thing is like ditching the soap, you know, generally speaking, except for those pits and bits. And of course, for that, using like a natural soap, bar soap, mm-hmm. um, and washing the skin, washing your face with oil is mm-hmm. life-changing Yeah, and brings things into balance. And I know that may sound crazy, especially if you're listening and you have acne, mm-hmm. but it really does transform. And we have to kind of get off. That's the thing. We have to get off that cycle in the book, uh, Renegade Beauty for a few areas, it can be applied. I have stop, seal, and seed. So the idea is you're stopping the thing that's disrupting that ecosystem mm-hmm. and sealing. So resealing, rehealing, like, you know, could be sealing and healing the guts in the mouth. You, you know, stop using the Listerines of the world, like those kind of alcohol mouthwashes statistically create over 36,000 cases of oral cancer a year. Wow. Well, that was the last time I looked, which was like 10 years ago. So. Oh, it's got to be worse it's by in, now. <laughs> yeah, so it's increased, which is like literally mutating the mouse microbiome or toothpaste with sodium lauryl sulfate or triclosan that is literally creating bleeding and receding gums. So stopping those kind of things, because that's literally creating an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. And then you're sealing. So working with oral care ingredients that aren't disrupting the gums or making them bleed. And then seeding, which is like maybe sticking postbiotics, prebiotics, probiotics, reseeding the gut is going to help skin and mouth. Or even dentists now, after root planning and scaling, they're injecting, so to speak, along the gum, not injecting, injecting into the thing, but flushing the, the gum line with probiotics. But that's something you could even do at home. We have a blunt tipped dental syringe. You can make up a little concoction with some baking soda, sea salt open a probiotic, put that in the syringe, and then you can flush out every corner of your mouth, so to speak. That would be a, a way to reseed, you know, washing your face, uh, using a honey for a mask, washing with oil and using a honey honey uh, to wash or also to mask is also, you know, it's got, got a lot of prebiotics in it, which is a natural way of restoring the homeostasis of your skin's oasis. So there's a a lot of different things we can do that are really simple and that will make a a positive change quite quickly and just help getting off that, that ride a bit. I'm excited to try the syringe thing that you mentioned. I'm going to have to listen back to this to make sure I'm getting you correctly, but that sounds really interesting with the probiotics. And I know for sure the honey mask, that's one thing you can do or you will see an instant difference. You can mm-hmm. experience that. Anna's a person that has been on every topical antibiotic combination mm. and Accutane for acne. I can totally vouch for the idea that the right oils are not only not going to harm you or create more acne, they're healing. And it's, yes. it's a little scary at first if you have been indoctrinated into this idea about oil causing acne, but I promise it's worth an experiment. Yeah. And of course, I mean, some oil could be like, if we're, we're not using like petroleum right, and all its derivatives or Vaseline. And if you're in the natural world, you know, we're not using rancid 
solvent extracted oils like almond or apricot or grape seed or like I can't I cannot even do olive oil or coconut oil I can only do shea butter Mm -hmm. or jojoba yeah jojoba is my favorite and is really uh one of you know I mean that's a very important oil for us Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It's my most favorite. It's the most expensive of all the cold pressed oils. And I, I don't it, think it's that expensive though. It is maybe. Well, no, I mean, I meant like over uh, an olive oil and apricot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, in terms of like skincare. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not too crazy, but for, as a formulator, it's expensive because there's cheaper options. So it's the right. most expensive as a, as a quote unquote manufacturer. Okay. I which is it. always where I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking people? if you're spending a fortune at Sephora, buying oh. yourself a beautiful oh my bottle of jojoba is, nothing. No. is, yeah, it's <laughs> no. extremely affordable compared to what you might buy at the mall. Oh, completely, completely. And the great thing about it is it's actually a liquid wax from a desert plant and it literally doesn't go rancid. If stored properly, it actually is fine for about a hundred years. Wow. which is so special for a cold press press plant oil. It's also the most compatible oil with our sebum and it will dissolve sebum. It clears out pores. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. I love it just to take an essential oil and put a couple drops in that. And yes. Just play. It's fun just to play and it feels good. It smells good. My skin loves yeah. it. And it's really the best to use for essential oil play. Because, you know, if you're working with real and genuine essential oils, they're also really quite tenacious and have a longevity. Like, you know, a rose auto that you bought 10 years ago is going to be just beautiful. Oh, um, you can't keep, you cannot keep a living libations <laughs> rose oil for 10 years. I've, I've had some living libations rose oil and whew, that would be impossible. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. But if you, you know, anything you're going to make and then blend with your oils, if you're using jojoba, then the whole thing's not going to be rancid in a year, which is awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which is important because the oil, the essential oils are exquisite and that rose auto is expensive, Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't want to be putting it in some rancid grapeseed oil or almond oil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would definitely recommend people get your book. Uh, renegade beauty to learn about all of what you're talking about and I have a question about that Mm -hmm. did you purposely write that in a poetic way sometimes you get rhyming and you don't stop (laughs) and I notice it and I'm like is this what is happening is this how her brain works or is she just naturally poetic Yeah. I mean, both. I just love alliteration and rhyming. It's just like so happy for my brain. I love it. Even in university. I mean, I would have professors that are kind of like, what the, but my like, you know, esteemed English professor was always like, you have such a lyrical prose and it's amazing. I'm like, great. I'm going with you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I I noticed it because I love it. And you can hear it in the audio book too. And, and I don't think the narrator is trying to emphasize that, but I definitely hear it. And yeah, there's no way around it. (laughs) It really suits you. Like the whole thing with the flowers and nature and the poetry, it all comes together in a really beautiful way. It's weird, but I feel like uh, poetry is a really good way to deliver big concepts and science, you know, and Buckminster Fuller, I really appreciate because he did do that. He has a lot of poetry books and he was a scientist. That's you. 
That's you. You have like a scientist brain and a love of nature and poetry. And I think it makes a lot of the harder to grasp concepts more digestible too. Yeah, when you're wrapping I hope it, it does. You're wrapping it in beauty. And yeah, beauty- just make it all beautiful, right? Yeah, beauty is a soul thing, in my opinion. I think- mm-hmm. I know we're running out of time, but I really want to ask you specifically about beauty too. I heard somewhere, I heard you say beauty is a communion. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was gorgeous that it's not something that's applied to you, that it's, it's an experience and it's a feeling. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I really do feel like beauty is a feeling. Uh, whether, you know, if it's coming from inside or it's something we're responding to in the outside. And it is a communion moment in the sense too of like being in beauty or like that moment of beauty with a capital B is kind of when you're not, when you don't exist. So it's in those moments of like your breath is taken away by the sunrise or the sun, you know, or profound nature moments or even you know why we meditate or desire orgasms which the french call le petit mort meaning like a little death Mm. and it's sort of that death of the self that comes when you're enraptured with beauty so when we're enraptured with the beauty of life we're actually not obsessing and narcissistic which is something that can kind of come with thoughts of beauty or beauty protocols Mm but it is this communion and it is when that concept of the self dissolves for a moment. Yeah. It makes me think about how beauty has kind of been weaponized in a weird way against us. Yeah. We've, I mean, we kind of weaponized everything, right? Haven't we? What in the world are we doing to ourselves? I don't know. (laughs) We are a funny animal. I think this is why I referred to myself as a hybrid animal because I have one, I've got one foot in this modern world and one foot in this like hippie nature world. And I don't know. It's a funny dance. It is a funny dance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why I, you know, I look to the past and to nature to figure out right now. And, you know, our biology has not sped up as fast as our technology. Yeah. So we still want to honor those bodies needs and we haven't biologied our way out of needing the sun, for example, or needing that fresh air. Oh gosh, I hope we never do. No, I want me too. <laughs> yeah, that sounds tragic. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for doing this. Can you tell people that are on the go, I'm going to link to so many things, but can you tell them the easiest, quickest way to find you online if they're not staring at a screen right now? For sure. So livinglibations.com will be the hub for all things. And you can really email us any question. Health, beauty, dental, we'll do our best. Um, We Mm -hmm. also do like free consults. It's usually booked up a couple months in advance, but it's really awesome and really fun. We'll have like best friends call or whole families, multi-generations. It's really sweet. So there's always more information that way. And then the books, uh, two books are on our site on everywhere books are sold, including Audible and then socials like Living Libations and Nadine Artemis Official on Instagram. Cool. This is great. Can you leave us with one tip maybe for 
creating the kick-ass life of your dreams, finding your thing, because you have found yours. What, mm. what is the secret to that? Do you have any advice? I'd say keep focusing on what makes you feel good and keep following that. Keep focusing on what's feeling good. Don't look at the other stuff that's not making you feel good. And through that, you will just, you will be left with what you, what you want to pursue. Follow the beauty, follow the pleasure. Yeah. Follow the bliss, follow what you like, follow what you love. And then your life gets just carved out from all that goodness. I have to admit, in editing this interview, I was fangirling hard. I have been such a fan of hers for such a long time, and I've listened to so many interviews she's done over the years and read her books and bought her products. This was a bit of a moment. I was excited to get to interview her. I was happy in the process, but something about editing it, I was like, wow, this is really cool. It felt like a moment to me. I hope you enjoyed it. There will be links to all the things in the show notes, including my Patreon. If you're having fun listening to the podcast and you want to support, you can do that over on Patreon. And speaking of beauty, I have a podcast over there. It is $3 a month. That's the tier it's at on Patreon, and it's called The Bebo Effect. And Bebo, B-I-B-O, stands for Beauty In, Beauty Out. It's a philosophy. It's a way of life. It's a very rambly podcast. I just kind of talk about what I'm excited about and inspired by and finding beautiful in the moment. And then I tend to post other fun things there, blog posts, a vlog every once in a while, stuff like that. And then there's a Discord community where you can socialize with other kind, beautiful people. And I hope you're enjoying Spring 22 so far. And I'll be back here next week with an interview with Damien and Lori Eccles. I've had this one in the can for a very long time, so I'm chomping at the bit to get it to you. It will be posting next Monday. Until we meet again, always remember, life is change, change is magic, magic is life, and the journey is the creation. Much love to you. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.